Queer Relationships, an IM clinic podcast devoted to helping you, the LGBTQ community, create the love lives and relationships you crave. So that there's this inherent system within nature that all aspects of nature know how to heal themselves. They don't need to go to a doctor. They don't, I mean, if, 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 a, if a bird has broken its wing and it's completely snapped, then they do need some sort of surgery to, to bring the, the bones back together. And then after that happens, there's this natural healing where the muscles will then come together, the, the musculature will then come together and then recreate the wing so then the, the bird could fly. But it, it's, just, it's just a reminder that you know, nature reminds us that it has the power to heal itself. It has the power to continue on living the way that it desires to live. And so why can't we? You know, we are nature. Hi, my name is Isaac Archuleta, and today's guest knocked my socks off. Sifu Love is a spiritual wellness counselor and an Olympic-level martial artist. Using some of the major components of martial arts like movement, discipline, and breath, Sifu adds a major layer to giving our bodies the permission to heal themselves. If you're a queer person looking for more stillness, a quicker route to peace, or maybe you want to feel like you have control over your own body, this episode is for you. In today's episode, you will hear me go speechless, have major epiphanies, and I nerd out. I'm very excited. Let's take a listen. Tell me a little bit about the, it sounds like your expertise in kind of blending body movement with therapy um, or mental health. Mm-hmm. And that is a really fascinating um, kind of blend. Yeah. yeah, it's something that I've found really helpful for myself. Because um, I remember being in high school, middle school, and, and even like beginning in college. And I, I had therapists that I would talk to. But it was really hard for me to be able to articulate something that felt honest and true to them. And I realized a lot of that is because I've been in my body my entire life. I've been an athlete. Um, I started doing tap dance when I was like five years old and I kept jumping around between different sports. Um, And so I found I express myself with my body more so than I do with like my words. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized is that I was like, okay, well, how can I still, you know, get this therapeutic benefit, but like utilize my body a bit more? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I realized the ways in which my martial arts practice helped me not only get in tune with myself, but it became a tool for self-discovery. And the more that I discovered about myself, I had literal practices to begin to heal some of the, the, the wounding that, that I had experienced. And so I was like, okay, so I can actually use my body as a way to tune in and realize what's going on. And then from there, I can start to talk to people about, you know, the, 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 the missing links. And then it was really, really helpful to, to bring the body in, in that way. So that's, that's how I got started because I needed it for myself. Yeah. How did you, how did the, the athleticism, if you will, highlight emotional awareness? How did those two talk to each other? Did you know so, the yeah. Because I was so into my body, I was very aware of every little sensation that my, my body had. 
So when someone would say something to me, I would feel like heat in like a specific area, or I, I actually would feel like my kidneys start to, to shrivel up um, in certain moments. So I had a really heightened awareness of what my body is doing. Um, which is something that a lot of people, I would say, don't have, because um, a lot of us are very like cognitive in in the mind, which is a, a beautiful thing, and our society emphasizes that a little bit too much, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I agree, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I just thought it was so important. Um, it was so beautiful for myself to be able to realize what's going on in in my body, and um, when people would say certain things to me, because I. I do a lot of spiritual healing as well. There's, there's a frequency in which their words come and literally penetrate my own body. And I started to realize like, okay, these words are making this response and then I'm starting to feel this particular way. So I just developed this whole like new lexicon as to like when my body's responding, this is signaling some sort of emotional state within me. And it just became very useful for me to track that and then realize how I can then manipulate emotional states by manipulating the body. So I found it, it goes one way and then I can use it to go the other way as well. That's amazing. How do you find the, the, maybe the manipulation of the emotional state? Is it like, I don't know, maybe swinging in confidence or how do you find that practice? So I find it helpful I find it extremely helpful because sometimes we are overwhelmed in a certain emotional state and that overwhelm causes us to act in ways that are not authentic to ourselves. Like if, if we're like in a heightened state of fear, you know, we're, we're in the, the fight, flight, freeze response, you know, the actions that we take, the decisions that we make in that moment might be there to sort of save us as this sort of a survival thing, but it might not be authentic to the way we want to be in the world, the way in which will help us actually flourish and grow and transform in the ways that we might desire. Mm-hmm. So I started to realize like I default to certain emotional states, which are actually not healthy to my own way of being. And I was like, okay, well, how can I realize these states and shift it so that it's so that I'm able to operate from a more healthier space? And, you know, I, I find it to be like one of the most beautiful things because I'm not only gaining awareness of myself, but I'm gaining a level of self-mastery and self-discipline um, so I can comport myself and be in space in a way that not only is beneficial for me, but for other people. Like, you know, I, I can be in a heightened state of anxiety and panic and I can walk into a room and signal everyone and then they're also in that same sort of state. So it kind of is a way for me to be responsible of myself mm. and realize how my own energetic frequency is influencing other people as well. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful, it's just an all-inclusive practice that I just love. I love, love, love it. Absolutely. Have you ever read the book by Peter Levine, Waking the Tiger? Yes, I have. I love that book. All of my clients here at the clinic know about the book. They have all read it. I test them on it. I don't really, but (laughs) it's such a profound book. And what you're talking about here totally reminds me of Dr. Levine's work in the sense that his words, because he's a trauma therapist, is that trauma literally lives in the body. And we don't need to think our way through trauma. We need to literally feel our way through trauma. In other words, we don't heal trauma by rationalizing it. We, we heal trauma by feeling through it, literally. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you've kind of found this really 
unique way like uh, of mastering i love that word the body in terms of being so connected to it um Mm -hmm. i mean we do know from a practice called somatic experiencing that the kidneys will behave differently they pulsate and they will pulse differently when we're in fight flight or freeze and so the fact that you can feel that is amazing Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's difficult training and and i would say a lot of it is learning to resensitize ourselves um because our society will tell us to have thick skin and this thick skin becomes a barrier so that we feel safe but at the same time when we do that we lose the sensation of ourselves and we become unaware of how our body is responding to a situation where in the middle of sexual activity and then we realize like oh no i don't really want to be here you know so like like how do you train yourself to be more sensitive so that before you go into actions that could lead to more trauma or a deeper traumatic experience how do you train yourself so that you are aware of, of what it is that you need and you can then participate in in, in a very specific way um it's and and for me like like that's why i love martial arts because martial arts is like movement that's repetitive that you that utilizes the mind the body and the breath and it brings it all together in a very structured way mm. so it's 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 a it's literally a structured practice that helps people become more sensitive to themselves and realize how the world is impacting their experience of their own bodies mm. you're kind of blowing my mind right now <laughs> No. <laughs> yes. Like seriously, in, in many ways, I I think as like a young queer kiddo, my goal was to like not be sensitive emotionally, right? I, you, and I kind of have to this, be. Yes, I love this idea that like almost like tough skin became well, like everything, right? Sorry, I'm having this epiphany over here that like my no, tough go skin ahead. became this thing. <laughs> um, let me back up. Everything I think as a therapist, especially from childhood, we create these really brilliant, brilliant ways as children to protect ourselves. And 99% of those times, those protective measures actually begin working against us in adulthood. And this is like ground zero. This is like my own body. The thing I use to protect myself is actually the one thing that's prohibiting me from being liberated. Mm-hmm. This idea of like resensitizing, like, is almost kind of like shaking shackles off of my body in some way. Like, just even hearing about these words. Mm. Um, tell me more. I'm just kind of like giddy and excited. I feel liberated, but also like so overwhelmed. I feel like this is paradigm shifting. <laughs> <laughs> I. I think so. I mean, I'll say like being a queer person. So the hard part about being a queer person, I mean, there's many aspects that are hard, but one of them is that we're told that our desires are wrong, that there's something wrong with how our body's responding to people. Like I remember being in third grade. That was the first time that I had um, like a a bodily response to another boy in my class. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm like, I'm feeling heat. I'm feeling like, I'm feeling blood rushed to to different places when I'm seeing this person. And then I'm like, I feel like this is what I understand attraction to be. But then I was told like, boys are not allowed to be attracted to boys. So then I was like, well, my body's responding in this way, but I'm being told this is wrong. So then in that moment, I wanted to dissociate from my body. 
Mm. I'm like, well, my body must be wrong then. So I'm just going to ignore this thing. But the fact of the matter is we live in a body and our experience within the world is somewhat um, contained within this particular body. So as queer people, a lot of us kind of move away from our entire body and then we lose sense of ourselves. And it's not until we return back to the body and we become sensitive to the ways in which the body is responding to the world and to other people. that I think we really understand ourselves. And that's when that, that the liberation that you're speaking of happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of so many different things. But when we move away from our body, not only are we moving away from the mechanisms of healing, like this in this Peter Levine, the way you're describing it, this felt sense of yeah. letting our body heal itself. But mm -hmm. I think that we're also kind of moving away from our own true desire and kind of locking that up. How, what is this, I, I'm really captivated by this idea of, I like how you said it, the training is resensitizing ourselves. Like that's going to like stick in my head for decades. So thankful. Yeah, it is here. Um, I know you mentioned martial arts, but what is this, if you could, maybe someone who's so disconnected from their body, I'm asking for a friend right now. Um, <laughs> How do we, what does this practice look like if we're not doing martial arts? Like what might be the one, two, three steps or the one through 10 steps, but what would that look like? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll answer that, but there's something else that, that you said that really struck me that I feel like I, I want to say something to around desire. And when we're not in touch with the body, it's easy for our desires to be colonized. Um, and our world is a capitalistic world that exists in a way to colonize our desires, to tell us, you need to buy this. You know, you, you want this particular gym membership. Here's these beautiful people. And it's like, oh, that's amazing. And then you go buy that gym membership. Mm -hmm. So like our desires are constantly colonized. And I feel like that's because we're disassociated from our bodies. If we were more in touch with our bodies, all these advertisements won't have as much of an effect on us. But like, I mean, for me, if I see an advertisement for sushi, I'm probably going to want sushi just because it's so delicious. But, <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, the more you're in touch with your body, the more you're able to ward off, you know, because I'm a martial artist, I think of being a warrior, you're able to have that warriorship mentality against all of these messages that you're being inundated with. Mm -hmm. um, and the way in which you begin to resensitize yourself, there's, I say it always starts with the breath and realizing that the breath doesn't, it might feel like it's just going into the lungs and people don't even really feel that per se. They just feel like their breath is maybe more in the throat. But then when you realize your breath, it stores in the lungs, but there's a feeling, there's this felt sense. And I love how you mentioned that term because I love um, that particular work, but there's this felt sense that the breath can go down and travel through the body. And so what does it feel like to you when you think about your breath going all the way down to your hips, to the pelvic floor, to the toes? And, all, and what, what's that, what that is doing is it's beginning to help you use your imagination and connect that with these little tiny sensations that you're having. So then you're no longer just feeling the breath here, but you're feeling the breath travel all throughout the entire body. 
Mm-hmm. So I say, I tell people to, to practice and use the imagination to move the breath through the body. Um, the other thing is to, I was going to say to touch ourselves, but that, that's essentially what it is. Um, you know, we don't really practice different kinds of touch. Um, you know, you can take your, your, your hands um, and you can just, vi- just very gently graze over the top of your skin and feel the, the hairs, you know, like stick up. It can do that all over your body and realize there's parts of your body that you've never really touched in that sensitive way. Mm-hmm. So you can do it to like the, the very top of your toes or the, the corners of, of the, the inner elbow. You know, these are areas that you yourself don't touch very often per se. You can try different levels of touch. And when that happens, you awaken a different sensation in that particular area. Mm-hmm. And you go out into the world and the wind comes and, oh gosh, the wind, it's just like giving you little kisses everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then it changes your whole experience within your body. Mm-hmm. As you're talking here, I'm like, breathing deep and trying to find where it goes so I can follow along because <laughs> this is fascinating <laughs> to me. But I can feel it. I would always say before today that I would just feel the breath coming into like my nasal cavity. Like I wouldn't feel it anywhere else, but even just tracking it with a little bit more intention, I can kind of feel it moving like up through my sinuses and like, and using the imagination in some ways to say, is this what I'm really tracking or am I making this up? But to really feel like I can track the breath there a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing to, to play around with. And what I love is the way in which I teach the, the martial arts is, you know, we're doing that and we're doing that through movement. So, you know, we're lifting our arms up or we're going side to side and we're, we're trying to track what is it like when, the air, the air molecules are kissing the, the tips of, of our fingertips as we're moving back and forth in space. And all it's doing is just helping us gain a new level of awareness of how the body moves. Because our body's always, in, not always, but our body's in motion a, a lot of the time. And we're not aware of how it's moving through space. But the second you gain that awareness, everything starts to change. You know, the way that you walk changes, the way that you hug people changes, even the way that you eat starts to change because now you're very aware of how the body is being utilized in these moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about myself, like when I, when I injured my, um, my, my finger, my, my pinky, I never realized how, how much my pinky is actually necessary for my life until mm-hmm. it was gone. I was like, wow, this is a very important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, instead of us injuring ourselves, so that then we have to come into awareness of the necessity of our body parts. We can actually just be conscious and begin to sensitize, resensitize ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. As we do resensitize ourselves, I would imagine one of the components is more emotional awareness and finding where different emotions live in different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. As people begin discovering the emotion, how do we begin? I like the words that you use, the emotional manipulation. How, how does that part take place? Yeah. So what I would say to that is there is a strong connection between our emotions, our thoughts, our memories, per se. So whenever, for me, whenever I realize an emotional state coming up, I... I try to feel into the state. And what that means is I, I try to realize where it is in the body. And sometimes I might blow it up and sort of expand it a little bit. And then I'll kind of sit with that feeling and I'll allow images to come up. 
So I might see like a person with like a knife and like a, a cleaver or something like that, or I might see, you know, these certain things. And so now these emotional states are being associated with images. And these images might be coming from my imagination that I'm creating, or they might be some sort of memory. Um, and then what I can do is I can, if it's a memory or even if it's an image, I can manipulate the image in my mind. And as I manipulate that, it starts to shift the emotional state. So instead of the man holding the cleaver that's going down like this sort of like a, a psycho like movement, mm -hmm. um, I can change that. And instead of a cleaver, it, it's a flower. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you know, the man is holding the flower and he's going like this, he's going with his hand downward with the flower, it changes the entire emotional experience for me. Mm -hmm. So it's really about, it's hard to manipulate our emotions. It's easy to be aware of it and try to shift it, but it's, and it's very easy to manipulate the images. So that's where I, I like to work with people because that's, that's more so where my, um, my psychological training is, is like around looking at, at images and the way in which images impact our experience and our perception of the world. How did you come up with this? Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've been doing martial arts now for 16 years. Um, and so it's been a very like embodied practice and then in addition to that, I've had different martial arts teachers. I, I, I lived in China for a while. Um, and I had teachers there who were versed in um, tra traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, acupressure. So I learned a lot from them. And then I, I moved to the US and I did my, um, my master's work in psychology um, at Columbia. And that's where I was able to pull together all these like old psychological principles and connect it to what I've been experiencing within myself and what my my masters have been telling me within the practice wow. and then it just became a lot of like deep didactic work working with a couple different teachers who also look at life from a more depth psychological perspective who are very Jungian and all about dreams and archetypes and just putting all that together into my own experience and that's what I do this is so a couple of things come to mind. So creative, but like so naturally intuitive. Um, I'm like bookworm over here, right? Like not in touch with my body as much as I thought for today, thinking about like all the things that I read and it feels like you're like this master because you discovered them within your own body, <laughs> which is so <laughs> cool. But one of the things that you were talking about in terms of like this emotional manipulation and swapping out the cleaver for a flower, I feel like your dreams must be amazing because you're almost like, um, like bookworm here, right? So it's almost kind of like you're, um, you're using the limbic system, which will process trauma through metaphor like maybe an easy way for for listeners would be to say all of my emotional content throughout the day it's almost like it gets put into this water bottle called the limbic system so the limbic system is like storing all of the emotional content from the day the joy the the successes the insecurities maybe the little trauma or the big trauma and then when i go to sleep at night rem kicks on my eyes are going back and forth rapid eye movement sleep and that water bottle is like being poured back through my body. So I'm re-experiencing all of those emotions. But this time, because the limbic system isn't tied to rational thinking, it's processing all of the emotions through metaphor. 
Mm-hmm. So the powerlessness I experienced, I'm dreaming about that powerless now, but my teeth are falling out or I'm running a race and I'm running my hardest, but I'm not moving. Um, so we're processing all of those emotions, but it's almost like you're giving your body the opportunity to process that emotion right there, right now, mm-hmm. by finding it in your body, by processing it and finding the metaphor almost instantaneously so it doesn't even go into the limbic system it won't even pop up in REM sleep and and what we know from research is that during REM sleep all of those dreams the body is determining do we keep this information and sometimes the body says nah this isn't going to help protect me I'll throw it away but sometimes it says hell yeah I need this to protect me and that's oftentimes trauma so then we'll store the memory of the trauma in the body so what you're doing is actually helping the body process the trauma right away yeah i i love that that summary that was absolutely beautiful and i feel very flattered (laughs) but this is creative this is ingenious (laughs) we want to make sure that we are a resource for queer people no matter where you are in the world and that's why we offer support and process groups If you know of a trans teen that might need support or community, or maybe you're wanting to deepen your connections, I Am Council's groups could be a good fit for you. Learn more at IamCouncil.com. That's IamCouncil.com. I I mean, the thing is, I've always been a creative person, like my entire life. And I I do also read a lot. Um, But for me, like... Even reading, like reading is me tapping into the consciousness of, of authors that have been around for thousands of years. So like, like when I read Freud or Jung, I feel like I'm getting into their dreams and I'm seeing the words that are somehow like being articulated outward. Mm-hmm. So it's a part of it is just the way that I see the world. And I feel like the world is just a reflection of ourself in some way. The world is, is doing as much to us as we are doing onto it. And so that sort of interdependence is really crucial for the way that I operate in the world. You asked, you mentioned my dreams. Um, I do have wild dreams. I love my dreams. Um, when I was younger, I had like really deeply prophetic dreams where I would literally see the, the future. Um, and like, I have specific memories of like, I would dream something and then I would wake up and I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen today. And then it would happen. It's very much like if you've ever seen That's a Raven, like that's, those were my dreams. Where I would literally have visions and I'm like, okay, I know what's going to happen. Um, and so because of that, I just grew to love my dreams. Um, and it just helped me be more sensitive. I was wondering like, how are my dreams reflecting reality and how is reality feeding into my dreams? You know, again, the idea of the interdependence, which is really, it's just fascinating for me to think about. And it makes living more exciting. Like, like, honestly, that's all it does is it makes life a lot more fun. It's not just so black and white, X plus Y equals Z, but now X plus Y does not equal Z sometimes, or it could. I don't know. I hear you. I think sometimes when... So many thoughts. I'm getting excited here. I feel like, I feel like I'm in a... Get excited. Like I, I know. I feel like I'm in a... Um, like I am bubbly water. Like I just feel so effervescent right now. I'm like boiling over. Um, but I can imagine that. So how do I start this? Um, 
when people do psychedelics, they often talk about like feeling connected to the universe, like this Mm -hmm. kind of this supernatural experience of feeling a part of creation in a way that they, they couldn't experience this attachment before. And it almost seems like in what you're describing, you're kind of like, in some way, you live there. Like by being connected to your body, it's like this apparatus that connects you to the universe, like all the time. I like that comparison. Um, it does feel like a mild psychedelic experience sometimes, um, especially when I'm like really deep in practice. Um, like when I'm really deep in practice and I'm listening to like my shamanic drumming um, music and then I'm really focused with my breath and there's this heat that comes over me. It does feel like what it's felt like for me when I was on psychedelics. It's, it's, it's that mild feeling. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is it's beautiful that we can generate that within ourselves without going directly toward the substance. So then it becomes a natural mm-hmm. way of enhancing mm-hmm. the world. Totally. Yeah. That's fascinating. <clears throat> what are you thinking about? Hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of blown away. I never really thought about the, I never really made that connection between the psychedelic experience and the practice. I mean, the practice is, you know, I do go into a trance state. Um, I do go in, into flow states. So I do operate between different states of consciousness, but I never really connected it to the psychedelic experience. And it's making me wonder, like, what would it be like to do these practices on some sort of psychedelic? Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, new experiences for sure. Um, some of the world's leading thinkers and writers and researchers on trauma, Bessel van der Kolk, Peter Levine, Gabor Mate, mm. um, Bessel van der Kolk. I think he's one of the ones who says this the most or believes it. I don't know, promotes it the most. But he'll say the body has everything it needs to heal itself. And Mm -hmm. I think like going into like these trance states, we do neurofeedback here at the clinic and to see how theta lives in the brain when we go into this really deep meditation in a awake, conscious, eyes closed state, theta kind of takes over the brain or it should. And when we're in that theta experience, we're kind of in this, unique position to not only feel a deeper connection to the universe and all things around us but that theta position is also a great place where the body can process its own trauma and Mm -hmm. so i'm not i'm kind of maybe synthesizing some information here but to say i can feel my body and the universe more clearly when i'm in theta makes perfect sense than that we would be able to emotionally manipulate and clean out the limbic system like it it almost seems like a no-brainer that some of these trans states are also the trauma healing states if you will mm-hmm. yeah you know i i can definitely see that um i always look to nature for for examples and i think about like how in trees for example if a tree is like snapped for whatever reason it knows how to continue growing um so that there's this inherent system within nature that all aspects of nature know how to heal themselves they don't need to go to a doctor they don't i mean 
if 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 a, if a bird has broken its wing and it's completely snapped then they do need some sort of surgery to to bring the the bones back together and then after that happens there's this natural healing where the muscles will then come together the, the musculature will then come together and then recreate the wing so then the the bird could fly but it, it's, just, it's just a reminder that you know, nature reminds us that it has the power to heal itself. It has the power to continue on living the way that it desires to live. And so why can't we, you know, we are nature. We're, we're made up of like 70, 80% water. Um, and if you look at the way our bodies are constructed, it's very similar to how like things are constructed within the, the, the natural world. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we can heal ourselves is like, it's very present when you look out in the world itself. For sure. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, sure. I'm going to pivot us a little bit. I, I, I want to bring us back here, but I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. You're kind of talking about this way of like being connected to your body and um, being so in touch with your body that you're kind of almost manipulating emotion, retraining the body, cleaning out the, the limbic system, however we want to talk about it. What we do know from emotion, though, every time we emote something, we actually create this magnetic field around us, the, like the neutrons and the protons or however it works, but we're literally admitting something from our body. Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder, <laughs> like... With your deep connection to your body, do people literally feel you differently? I'm imagining like if you're feeling love that like everybody around you just can't help but feel so freaking unbelievably loved by you. Well, I guess I would ask you, like from the conversation, do you feel a shift in your own emotional state? Just yes, being in yeah <laughs> yeah and i was thinking about that like okay clearly the magnetic field can't reach me you're in texas and i'm in denver but there is like is it the vibrations of your voice coming through my laptop but there is something mm -hmm. that feels yeah. tangible and we're not even in the same place you know when i started teaching online my first worry was that people are not going to get the, the transmission. It's the word that I usually use, like the energetic transmission of what I'm giving in the practice. Mm -hmm. And then I realized for whatever reason, actually, I, I know why, but I realized people actually receive it even more so. And mm -hmm. part of that is because they're not distracted by other forms of feedback. Mm -hmm. um, they're completely focused on, on what's happening in this particular present moment. If we were in person, you might be, let's say, distracted by like, um, some extra elements of clothing that I'm wearing, or you're getting extra visual stimuli that's then taking you away from the felt experience of what it's like to be in a relationship with a person. Yeah. Um, and it is very much true that when we feel something, we emote it outwards um, and other people do sense it. The thing that I've learned to be very careful with is to not emote to be careful of how much I, I emote because people will absorb that and then people become addicted to that and then they sort of drain me not intentionally but they're like when i'm around this person i feel this way and then they're literally pulling that energy out of me mm -hmm. and so i've had to learn how to have like a very strong boundary where I'm, I'm able to emote a certain amount but then hold it within my own self so i don't lose that particular state 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that's, that's another martial arts practice. So everything just ends up being like martial arts practices for me. Um, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, sorry, there's something else that you said that I wanted to speak to, but I, I don't remember. So go ahead. Okay. That's gone. Maybe it'll come back. <laughs> the fact that, you, that you're referring back to martial arts, I think is really cool because I, in my academic brain, go back to like, what would it be? 1996, which is a lot younger than martial arts, but <laughs> the study of quantum physics, you know, like this idea that we are emoting and we, um, we do contribute to this hologram emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so if we're emitting all of this love and beauty, then the hologram is great, but we can also spew out negativity, um, which would come from our trauma and our wounding and blah, blah, blah. Um, I can't really, I'm more excited about something else at the moment. So I want to talk about that. (laughs) But (laughs) you said this word of being present with each other and um sorry everybody in this episode i'm like nerding out hardcore this is so fun for me but don't um, apologize you're being yourself i love it (laughs) amen (laughs) (laughs) um there's this research that came out of um deepak chobra and his team he paired up with um, a hospital in new york city and i can't remember which one but they did this very um, unique form of yoga and meditation for a week. And they found that being present in the body actually reversed some of the major effects of trauma. So they found that telomeres, and telomeres are these little kind of buttons that help our DNA replicate. And being present in the body actually turned on telomeres that had turned off because of trauma. And so what this tells us is being present in our body allows our DNA to replicate more healthily, which is avoiding cancer. I mean, that's cancer is DNA that mutated inappropriately. And so like this, I think that the researchers of that study would totally agree with you that this bodily awareness, this training, this resensitizing is a way of allowing the body to not just be in this like harmonious rhythm of the universe, but in this harmonious rhythm with its created design, with itself, with its ability to replicate itself, which I think Mm. is like huge. I think so. I think so. I, I remember reading about that experiment that you're speaking of, so I'm trying to remember some of the details, but as, as you recount that, it reminds me of one of my teachers um, who I love dearly. She has such faith in humanity and, and the world, and one of the things that she says is that um, our organs are the key toward healing our organs are the key toward healing ourselves and our organs know how to operate within the function of the body itself. And if we give the organs a little bit of faith, a little bit of a reminder, like, like, you know, the heart can beat, the, the, the liver can process um, and, and detox, that the, the lungs can breathe and, and move things throughout the body. If we give 
the organs a little bit of a reminder of their role and what they can do, then they have a little bit more faith in themselves. Mm-hmm. And when they have faith in themselves, it allows the, the whole body to process what it needs to do and, and heal. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, with that, there's one particular form that, that she taught me. Um, she calls it the, uh, the immunity form. And the purpose of the form is literally just to remind the organs that they're alive and, and they have a purpose and to give them the energy to, to function through that purpose, which then allows the entire system to rework itself or to work the way that it's meant to, that it's designed to. And then it leads to the potential for healing to happen. I think it's just like, I say all that to just say that the body the body has the potential to heal itself. It might forget that because again, the body's colonized and then we're taking in all these new ideas. But then when, when we resensitize ourselves and we reclaim our, our nation, our, our initial desires, then the body knows how to function and then bring us into an authentic state and a, a true way of being. Hmm. I think that is liberation. That's what's exciting for me. Hmm liberation from like the inside out literally mm-hmm. it definitely is mm-hmm. so yes this makes me think of a couple of uh, different challenges um oftentimes people with anxiety will come in the office saying isaac it's too scary for me to get in touch with my body And I definitely hear a lot of trans people saying, I intentionally stay out of my body because it's too painful to go inside of this thing that's doesn't, it's not incongruent with who I am. How do, how do you approach people who are going into the body is, it could almost feel like self-betrayal or maybe just too scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I have a couple uh, trans students that I'm in the midst of working with. And there's a lot of dysphoria because the body, the way the body is perceived is not how the body is felt. That's sort of the way in which they've articulated, they've articulated it to me through, through the particular practices. And in that case, what I do is I focus more on the movement itself and not like enhancing the body sensations of not realizing like the shoulders and and the chest and and you know these these areas that might cause a little bit of discomfort but just just showing them like different ways to move their body and it's through the movements that allows them to pull in a different kind of energy which then allows them to operate uh, operate in the world a little bit differently mm-hmm. so it's through a certain movement that you dispel anger from the body for example and so it's just more so about doing the movement and they feel like a like a release of anger where they feel like a lightness come and they don't feel as depressed mm-hmm. so in that sense i focus more on the movements and less bringing it to the sensations of the body because because you are right if you're if you feel like your body is not you then to tune into the little tiny sensations of the body feels like you're tuning into some foreign entity and then that causes even more stress and anxiety mm-hmm. so that's why i love the fact that i'm an athlete and I'm all about movement. And I'm like, I can teach you from the movement perspective or I can teach you from the, the felt sense bodily perspective. And sometimes they blend together, but I'm getting a lot better at focusing more on the movement. So people are like, I feel like I'm, I'm dancing and I'm meditating versus like I'm realizing every inch of my body and remembering that I don't like 
what I'm feeling or, or, or what I'm what I'm seeing when I look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to kind of maybe re- piggyback off that in the sense of, but I'm also giving you a compliment. But Peter Levine named his seminal work "Waking the Tiger." Because he had this, if I remember the story correctly, he had this woman in his office and she said, it feels like the tiger is chasing me. And he said, well, then what would it feel like to run? And so in that session, she began to move her arms and her legs like she was running. And she said, I feel so much better. And I don't think Peter, I don't know, in the reading that I have done, he doesn't use the word movement the way that you do, which is so cool. Um, there's lots of research behind the way Peter Levine talks about movement, but I think you're tapping into what he's describing, but from a much more intuitive, um, less clinical, more bodily knowing kind of way, Mm -hmm. which is so cool. I can see that. I can see that. So I find that I think I said this before, like we as human beings, we're operating in the world, we're constantly moving without any awareness of how it is that, that we're moving. And the second someone encourages you to move in a specific way, it really shifts your entire perspective. And, and, it, and that shift then operates back onto the psyche mm-hmm. in, in a variety of levels. Like for example, there, there's certain parts when I'm teaching and I tell people to like lift their arms all the way up to the skies if they're reaching toward the sun. And then like Icarus, just, just allow the hand to die as it falls. And then, and then when I do that, when I tell them that and I see the way their body's moving, it's this whole new quality of movement. They're not just like reaching up and then like bringing the hand down. It's this reach that feels deeply ambitious and loving and caring. And then it's this sort of death that's sorrowful and with like so much melancholy within it. And then it gives them a chance to experience those emotions just through a very simple, like lifting the hand up and down. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it becomes sort of like a theatrical way of moving that also embeds these principles of traditional Chinese medicine and psychology. And it's, it's just fun. I, I just love, I just love it all. I would imagine though, that the theatrical piece though, it's so emotional and it can also be, uh, closely tied to metaphor you know that that theater piece brings in the a felt sense but an intention an image so we're activating different parts of i don't know, so i'm just nerding out but this is no 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 nerd out nerd out don't like i i love it <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope those are listening love it too because it's i think it's beautiful yeah i'm just thinking of like uh, what, what we know of the brain or the way that I've pieced trauma in the brain together, like to be in touch with the felt sense, to know where it is, to identify it with the breath, but then to put story and narrative and image to it. We're, we're literally what, what we call lighting up. We call that an EMDR, which is trauma work. I know you know that, but for people who might not. Um, but we're lighting up the trauma in a way that makes it accessible to the body and the rational brain to process it. And I just find that this is way more intuitive, in touch, organic, but it feels like you're really accessing, you're giving back the body its permission to heal itself 
rather than taking the body through these sterile steps to find healing. And this just feels so beautiful. Oh, I absolutely love that compliment. Thank you. I fully receive that. Awesome. It's it's very true what you say about story. And I find that, um, because I I do have um, trauma-centered practices. And um, one of the things that I realized within a lot of my students is they have these stories that are related to their traumas that they've been telling themselves or that they've been replicating because they've been talking to people over and over and over. So they have the same story that exists on this particular loop. And then when they're in a form and they're moving and I'm telling a story about Icarus or Isis or um, the, the trickster coyote or something, or, you know, what, what that's doing is that I'm telling another story and they're bringing elements of that story into the story that they've been spinning over and over and over. And then it allows them to rewrite that story for themselves. So it's no longer like, um, I got attacked by someone and then, you know, this sort of thing happened, but then maybe they start to see themselves as like, well, maybe in this moment I was like Achilles and how, and if I relate myself to Achilles in this particular story, how can I reinterpret this scenario? How can I get a new perspective and begin to see the story, not as the way I've, I've always seen it, but from a slightly different angle, which then allows for the healing to happen. Cause if you keep thinking about the same thing over and over and over in the same way, you're not going to be able to process, you know, it's literally stuck in the same cycle and cycle and cycle. But then this is the, the purpose of therapy is to get another perspective and to, for someone to ask you different questions, to pull you out of that same loop and to bring you into a new space. Mm-hmm. And so I always integrate story um, within my teaching because it's really helpful for people to gain more awareness about themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally. I think one thing that that I really like about the body's resilience is to recognize the power of perception or the power of story. You know, there's that study that says two monozygotic twins, so two twins, identical, same DNA, they can live through an event. And the, the twin that tells himself, I am powerless in this situation, will internalize the event as traumatic but the one that feels powerful in the event will internalize it as an event with no trauma Mm -hmm. content. And I think to pull people out of the powerlessness and give them power back is the same thing. I'm I'm just rephrasing what you're saying, but we're taking away the old story where you were powerless and we're giving you a new narrative of how you are and how you were powerful Mm -hmm. in that experience. And I think that is... It's life-changing. It definitely is. It definitely is. It's, it's been even life-changing for myself. Like, I, I grew up and I was, I was bullied for a while. I was bullied because I had a stutter, which people can't tell now because I've done a lot of work on that. Um, I had a stutter. I was severely overweight. Um, I was really feminine. So I, I was bullied for a number of layers of different things. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a warrior. I teach people how to fight. And it's not that I'm teaching people how to fight so that they can hurt other people. I'm teaching people how to fight so that they can fight for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so when I look back at the bullying that I experienced and how I let the bullying happen and I was just sort of powerless, you know, 
because of that powerlessness, I now know what powerlessness feels like. And I now want to create a world in which people can feel their power. And so the purpose of everything that I do is to help people reclaim that sense of power. And it's because of that, that path, those years and years of, of traumatic incidences, you know? So yeah, in, in that way, my trauma became part of my story, which became sort of my, my locus into this, this passionate work that I do now. I agree with Sifu, especially as it relates to my early experiences of being a queer child in a world that was defined for me. What sensations were right, what my desires should feel like, and how I should interpret the experiences of my body as either right or wrong. Not surprisingly, disconnecting from my body was too easy. To ignore what my body craved, what it kept telling me, and how it was guiding me felt like the right things to let go of. I wouldn't have had this language before my time with Sifu, but I now realize that what I had lost may be the most devastating loss of being closeted in an anti-queer environment was that I lost the ability to trust my connection to my bodily knowing. I was told that my body was breaking my own trust. 2017 was the hardest year of my life for sure. I lost two very important people to me. The clinic was in a major growth spur and tension. My car was in three accidents, one right after the other. I went through a serious breakup. I had to move twice. And on top of all of that stress, my anxiety was debilitating. I was canceling weeks worth of clients at a time. That year, I was supposed to go to France for a wedding. So I packed my bags and I got to the gate at Denver International Airport. And with my anxiety going wild, I could not board the plane. As I watched every other person board, I felt so powerless to control my own body. As the door to the jetway closed and I watched the plane leave, it felt like my power and dignity left with that plane. Luckily, I had been working with a therapist who taught me one of Dr. Peter Levine's techniques she called titration, and that practice changed my life. Titration is a way of connecting back to your body, a way of getting into the anxiety experience, but in a way that allows the body to leave, fight, flight, or freeze, and find a recalibrated state of peace and comfort. I'll leave a link to the YouTube video that I made in the description. As a trauma therapist, a student of trauma research, and a benefactor, if you will, of titration, I am well aware that we heal from trauma by working through our trauma. We connect to the sensations as an object observer, like a scientist in the wild studying a rare species of birds. It is in developing the ability to experience the observations from a distanced place that we give back the body its ability to heal itself. As I mentioned before, trauma therapy can be a bit sterile because in many ways we follow a protocol to help guide the body and keep our clients safe. But in a similar and profound way, Sifu adds the safety by incorporating ways of helping the body heal in the here and now. The self-mastery isn't only a resensitizing to the body, it's a way to reclaim your body. Learning once again to communicate with our bodies gives us the ability to trust ourselves, not only to heal, but
but to learn, to grow, and to be rooted in our truth. As we begin to trust our truth, we can also begin to flourish. I remember when my anxiety went away. I felt a renewed sense of peace, my confidence returned, and I also regained the abilities to be playful, creative, and spontaneous. It was like I was awake again. Sifu was right. Nature does remind us that it can heal itself. Sifu reminds us that we are resilient, and our resilience happens in the here and now. Trust yourself, because you are powerful. Although we often want to run from our pain, being present to the body's needs is not only how we heal, it's a great way of protecting ourselves. So instead of running from your pain, give your body the permission to heal itself. This year's Pride theme at Queer Relationships is I Am Resilient. And as we prepare for that, I can't imagine any other episode that can get us more prepped. To Sifu, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Your generosity and kindness has not only changed my life today, but I'm sure it will for many others as well. It is the avant-garde thinkers and creators like you who keep me inspired for continual life-changing growth. Thank you, Sifu. Until next time. Queer Relationships is a podcast sponsored by I Am Clinic, a counseling practice devoted to the LGBTQ plus community with in-person and virtual counseling options available. I Am Clinic, create the love lives and relationships you crave. Find us online on Instagram at LGBTQ underscore therapy and Facebook at I Am Clinic. That's I-A-M Clinic.